0: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Measured Thoughts on Business Radio. Powered by the Wharton School. Here's your host, David Reebstein. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Measured Thoughts on Business Radio. Powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dave Reebstein, a professor of marketing here at the Wharton School. And I'm joined, as always, in studio by my co-host, a Ph.D. candidate of marketing and business ethics here at the Wharton School, Sunil Betty. Welcome, Sunil. Glad to have you with me. Glad to be back, Dave. Glad to be back. We've both been gone for a little bit. I've been gone a little bit more. I was off on the Canadian Rockies, climbing around. It. That was awesome. Hiking and everything. It was, you know, while it was really warm here on the East Coast, it, was it hot. I was in a blinding snowstorm one day. Oh my gosh! Yeah. In, jul- in June, a blinding snowstorm a- in June. In June, a blinding snowstorm. It was amazing, though, just absolutely amazing. Fantastic. Uh, so the trip was actually fantastic. I will tell you the whole time I was peering out for bear, which I was told to be aware of, and what? for moose because I, you know, who doesn't want to see a moose and see some elk. Didn't see a thing. Not one bear. Not one moose. I saw a couple chipmunks. Okay, okay. But that was about it. You know, uh, otherwise it was uh, it was pretty bland. That's wonderful. Um, then I went off to Cape Cod for just a little bit. And now I'm back and raring to go. That's great. I was uh, in Florida for a while. Oh, it wasn't family. warm enough on the north. I know you had it was, warmer. Uh, but I got some good tennis in. Got some good golfing. So it was a it was a great little vacation. Well, well, good for you, and uh, welcome back Thank also. So it's really good. Yesterday. And uh, we saw uh, Tiger Woods maybe getting oh, back in there. It was, it, I was hoping. I was really hoping was too. Hoping. There he was. He took the lead for. He was tied for the lead, then took sole possession of the lead for a couple holes, I think. And then just ah. uh, it was. But it's bad. good to see him playing well. It's good to see him back on the tour and and really getting up there. It, it's sort of interesting how an individual which has such a powerful brand absolutely uh, helps the entire sport. It's, oh, yeah. It, it's, it's absolutely amazing to see. And it's also amazing to see how, you know, initially his brand was was kind of in trouble. Right. You know, after a lot of the personal issues. But now he's really bounced back. And I think Nike has stood with him. And it's really interesting to see how, how he's rebuilt his brand. That's, well, as an ethics guy, you know, that's an interesting issue about, absolutely. you know, when you stay with him and when you abandon. So we'll have to talk about that at another time. But since we were just talking about our trips that we just took... Somebody else who's going to be with us now just came back from a wonderful trip, and that happens to be our guest in this uh, program, which is Wes Nichols. And Wes uh, Nichols is a friend of mine. He is the former co-founder and CEO of MarketShare. He currently sits on the board of several companies. He's a strategic advisor to several companies, including Snapchat and several others. Um, He's with us in the first part of the program And, um, you know, we're going to have to hear what it is that he's up to. Um, Anyone listening to the program knows you are listening, which we do live every Monday at 4 p.m. on SiriusXM. And we are replayed throughout the week. Uh, So what we're going to do in today's program, we're going to hear from Wes in the first uh, part of the program. In the second part, we're going to open it up to questions about anything related to marketing, marketing measurement, marketing metrics, um, advertising, branding. And, and the sorts. So, any questions that you have for us, you can give us a call at 1 Wharton. That's 1 844 You can also email us at um, businessradio at SiriusXM.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Biz. That's B I Z Radio 111. But let's get started with Wes. Wes, welcome. Glad to have me on the program.
1: I was hoping this was Howard Stern, but this uh, Biz Radio will do the trip.
0: <laughs> well, you've upgraded a little bit, and we're now on Biz Radio, so there, <laughs> there we you. go. Great to be here. Um, and you came back from a great trip also. When I last saw you, it was out in, in L.A., actually at UCLA, yes. where you gave a great presentation. You were getting ready to head off to Africa and do some interesting things. How'd that trip yeah, go?
1: Yeah, I, I was able to get out uh, into into the uh serengeti in tanzania and then over to rwanda to go uh do the gorilla trekking and uh it was uh fantastic and 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 of course uh i i know i have a uh, trouble turning off the business mind and and i'm sitting there in the serengeti looking at you know animals plotting how to kill each other and survive <laughs> and it I couldn't so, help. But sounds familiar to, to business. the
0: business game
1: it, it, it right? Does. and Right. particularly you, you know you think of what's happening in the uh the marketing and the advertising space, and it's—I it, I can't think of a category that's been more targeted uh, by technology companies. If you think about, you know, the the hot companies that you keep hearing about out there. I mean, obviously Google and Facebook and Amazon and Baidu and you know, you name it, uh, Alibaba and so forth. Uh, they've all squarely focused on on this on the space of advertising and marketing, and it's completely changing the game. It's upending it, and. And, uh, you know, there will be survivors, <laughs> like, like I saw in Africa, and there will be uh, plenty of, uh, of gazelle uh, seeing their last days. So well, I think I'm, it's an interesting time.
0: I'm going to want to jump in and hear all about, uh, about that. And we'll skip the trip part for right now, but I am expecting pic, uh, pictures. But first, tell us a little <laughs> bit about your background and, um, sure. and, and what it is that you're doing right now
1: yeah it's you know i've i've spent uh, a shocking amount of time now i think it's now thirtieth year now in the area of of analytics and uh and marketing and and it's funny my my someone asked me recently what my first job that i could remember um and first job i wanted to be was a policeman and then the second job i wanted was to be an n t s b Accident investigator, when <laughs> I was in middle school, and I still every week read the NTSB and FAA reports, and and I think it gets kind of the mindset of of mine, which is trying to understand why things happen and how to optimize the good stuff and and uh, not do more of the bad stuff, and it's and it's really been the core of of, of my career. So I, I was I was very early on uh, in the <clears throat> in helping launch a company, uh, Capital One. Um, was involved in in uh, in that living in Richmond and and they were I think probably one of the very first companies to truly embrace the use of data driven marketing. They called it IBS, uh, you know, information based strategy, and you know that that informed pricing and targeting and risk and marketing.
0: H- how and many so years forth. ago was that? This is thirty years ago. Wow, because uh, we think that we think of analytics as something that's relatively new, and you're you're absolutely right. This has been going on for a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I think they were one of the first to really institutionalize it. And um, and you know, fast forward, I wound up uh, creating a. Uh, I looked at direct marketing, and uh, which was what that was ultimately one-to-one marketing, and looked at that and looked at the relation relationship to the internet and it seemed like, boy, the, you know, digital marketing is just an extension of that. It's the same thing. It's just faster and, and more scale. And uh, so, therefore, um, uh, a couple guys and I launched uh, one of the first digital and CRM agencies in the country in 1994, which was probably a little too early. Uh, but uh, but in that process, uh, you know, we, we wound up using data to drive uh, decision-making around targeting, everything from, you know, agnostically, from TV to digital to direct mail and so forth, and help launch companies like like Sirius XM Radio um, right. and Direct TV and TiVo and uh, Earthlink and companies like that, and all again very performance and uh, performance-based marketers. So, so and, pa- uh, pause
0: just for a second. Yeah, sure. That CRM stuff that you're talking about and the, the customer relationship management—it's fairly similar to what's going on with analytics today, right?
1: It is, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I look at, you know, if you look at CRM, it's it's it, it's basically understanding who your customers are and figuring out ways to sell them their next likely purchase. What is the next likely thing they need, and predicting their need ahead of time. Kind of, you know, like not like um, not unlike a a great uh, waiter at a restaurant or um, or concierge or someone can actually understand and predict based on pattern recognition that they've that they've experienced you know we're doing the same thing but at scale using data and that's very good for existing customers but then can you create models that look that that identify look-alike customers like who are more people that look like the good customers that we have and then how do we use that to do better targeting how do we use that to optimize the way we go after and grow the customer base so I think CRM is a complement to the uh, acquisition of, of new customers and that's very much the, uh, the the approach. So I think if you look at the combined uh, outcome of that, that's where you start hearing terms like lifetime value. That's where you start to look at how you uh, uh, ultimately create a, and establish a value, which is lifetime value is basically the cost of keeping and acquiring a customer less the cost of acquiring them, the acquisition sure. cost and less the cost of maintenance. So you ultimately net out what that, uh, total lifetime value is so if, um, and figuring out how to use marketing and where you spend your next dollar or, or your next euro or yen or whatever uh, uh, it has to be driven by what that lifetime value is so you have to understand Okay, if I have a hundred dollar lifetime value it makes no sense to spend 110 dollar acquisition you know might want to spend $20 acquisition and then keep them as keep them around and how do you continue to optimize that so Many companies back when I was launching this company, Direct Partners, had no idea uh, of this. They were still using gut and intuition and <clears throat> uh, to to do some very very simplistic marketing. And, and, and keep in mind, this was right when the internet was exploding. Sure.
0: So, so but you've, was, you've you've introduced a couple of things that I want to pursue with you for a second, which is, you know, when when you think about customer relationship management, it is your existing customers and, and creating that relationship with them. Um, how do you make the transition from that to acquisition? Because you, you threw that out. I understand I, as I get new customers, I try and look for lookalikes that I can manage Sunil like I would somebody else that I is similar to Sunil. But how do I go about thinking about the acquisition side rather than the maintenance of the relationship?
1: Yeah. Well, I think part of it comes – Again, understanding the data and then making data-driven decisions, and that's that's been my <clears throat> excuse. Me, that's been my passion for my career is is helping helping companies and management teams start to make decisions not by gut and intuition purely, but also by bringing in data as another as another seat at the table. the uh, The data that comes out of the analytics can uh, and can and should inform. Should I spend money on TV? Does brand matter? Does, does brand marketing matter? Should I spend it on search? Am I overspending on search? Am I, you know, should I put money into direct mail, which not too many people are doing these days? Should I, you know, if if I had an extra dollar, would I hire another salesperson or would I put it into marketing? That's something most CMOs or CEO, most CEOs of companies, big and small, have trouble answering. What, where, where should that next dollar or that marginal dollar go? So. I think that that's really what ultimately can inform how you go about acquisition of customers is is once you understand what's working and what's not, then you can start to optimize towards the stuff that's working and de-optimize the stuff that's not working.
0: So that all falls under the definition of what I refer to, and I know you do as well, as attribution. Which is do I attribute it to the direct mail piece or do I attribute it to yep. the advertising or what, and, and hence where it is that I should be putting those dollars? I'm going to want to understand uh, that, but first, help me for a second. Does all of this have to depend on um, individual level data, and having to have and and doing all this analysis at the individual level, and then try and look for you know comparability individuals, you know, similar individuals, or how does that work? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it really feeds the next stage of my career, which was launching uh, this company market share. And, and that's exactly what I I, I was being, I was being uh, brought in as the uh, resident geek at at (laughs) an agency holding company uh, to a lot of meetings to understand by CMOs and CEOs, What's, you know, what's working, what's not? How how do we build a data engine for our company? And and uh, and I just looked around, and the analytics in our industry were just appalling. They were incredibly simple, you know, just ridiculously simple things like backward-looking media mix models or, or digital attribution that were, that was, again, super tactical and being done in Excel spreadsheets um, and all backward-looking. It's like driving your car through the rear view mirror. And... It just made no sense to me. So that's really where um, I wound up connecting with my cousins and ultimately with you um, to help um, leverage models that that uh, actually could scale uh, to be predictive and forward-looking models. So I think what we're finding is is and, and I think the heart of uh, the heart of the, the solution that that was being built by market share was how do you create the ways you know the ways like the you know like the maps and your on your mobile device. How do you create a Waze tool for marketers? How do you type in your end goal? I need to sell fifty thousand cars this year. You know, if you're a car manufacturer. And this tool will, like Waze, give you turn by turn instructions. How much should you budget? Where should you start spending? When should you start spending? Oh, our competitor just changed the price? Let's course correct and go around that and go a different direction or change the marketing allocation and mix. That's really ultimately what Market Share built was was the ability to help Create forward-looking guidance, and I think to do that, you don't need PII per se. You don't, and PII is the personally identifiable information. That's the Thanks. the very controversial uh, right. <laughs> sensitive data that that um, that that's been in the news a lot. Uh, you can look at that at an aggregate level uh, to take a look at behavior. I get a lot of questions because I've been in the data business my whole life. I get a lot of questions about people. Aren't you creeped out by you know when you see a, an ad pop up that of something you just searched? And like, no, because it's just it's just a computer doing a simple algorithm. It's not a group of you know creepy people sitting in a basement looking <laughs> at your behavior and throwing up ads on on the internet. It's I mean it's literally done in a in a in a server somewhere uh, based on your behavior and. You know, I, I think those are the most rudimentary, most, you know, most of that retargeting is called, I think, is, is the creepiest and also probably the least effective sure. uh, <laughs> out there. But <clears throat> there is the ability to use the analytics to uh, isolate the variables that are driving sales and then, and then move the money around. And that can be done in aggregate without talking at the individual level.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Let me remind our audience, you're listening to Measured Thoughts with Dave Reapstein uh, on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. And you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And we're currently speaking with Wes Nichols, who I think is one of the most brilliant minds in terms of all of the analytics around marketing. And uh, it's it's fascinating to hear how this whole industry has evolved, Wes, and and what it is that has been your role in that. What I appreciate is you saying you don't have to have the individual level data uh, to be able to do that. You do have to have data, right?
1: <clears throat> you do, and and you know I think sometimes the excuses I've heard from from companies worldwide is oh I don't have the data or I don't I don't I don't really think we have all that we need to do this right and, and there's only literally been one case I can think of where uh, this company truly didn't have the data and, and unfortunately it was a big bank which is really horrifying um, so uh, seriously I I I, because yeah, I, seriously. I think
0: of, of banks you know like your Capital One example is, um, is sort of the prime territory where they have each individual and right. any of the interactions with that individual, and is it that they just didn't yep. store the data? And what, yep. what happened? <laughs> you,
1: you'd really hope that your bank had really good data. And Absolutely. This was a case where they had good data, but it, just, it was squirreled away in so many different places and literally in shoeboxes under people's desks that it was just the juice was not worth the squeeze and to, to actually <laughs> pull it together. Uh, but, yeah, the... That the opportunity, though, for most companies, even big and small, is really just getting a sense of you know, realizing, I think, first of all, realizing that data is the company's most important asset. And I've gone into many companies over the years who actually prided themselves in throwing out their data every couple months because it was getting too big. <laughs> and it's kind of like when your dog brings in the, you know, a dead bird and puts it at your feet and is, you know, looking at you for a treat. Um and <laughs> you know, and you didn't want a dead bird in your living room. I think here, you know, it's the same thing with marketers. You know, we're looking for a pat on the head to say, yeah, we cleared out our our, our whole database every every couple of months because it was just getting too big and, and I actually had one big package goods company that we all know. The CEO, I was sitting at his desk uh in New Jersey and and he you know, he pulled out his yellow page or or, or not yellow pages white pages of the phone book and said "That's my customer base. I don't need to do any of this data stuff and you know of course he was fired not too long afterwards but but <laughs> you know the idea of using and collecting data and then looking at their purchase behavior and then looking at your marketing spend like where are you spending marketing money or where are you spending promotional dollars? are you doing events and And conferences. Are you spending? If you're B2B, if you're spending it on television and advertising or digital marketing, and putting all that together into it and and collecting that and storing that historically every day, if possible, is a massive advantage for companies. That uh, and and it's a massive, a massive disadvantage for those not doing it.
0: So help us uh, help me sort of understand. How do you put it all together? I mean, you've got all the, these, you know, different implementations that have happened and different results that happened across a heterogeneous population of customers. Yeah. How do you start yeah. to put it together as to what's working and what's not such that you can say, spend your money here and don't spend your money there?
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, and, and think about this. My my bias and my filter has been worked, working with, you know, plus, you know, billion-dollar-plus companies, so generally national-based companies or international multinationals. Um, so may not be the most relevant thing for a small, medium business, but but I think even collecting data and holding it and doing some simple analysis is good for a small business. But let's just talk for the, uh, through the filter of a large company now. The the, 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 the step of, of pulling together this data from all these disparate places, it can be your marketing spend. It, maybe your agency keeps data if you use an agency. Um, call center, website, web traffic data, who's coming to your website, you know, if you use Omniture or Google Analytics or something like that. Um, and you, maybe it's the uh, new product launch. You've launched a new product this year. When did that happen? What se- what was the seasonal impact of, of, you know, what's the impact of seasons on your business or the impact of competitive spending? Putting all those different variables into a data set, uh, you know, and then mapping it, longitudinally matching it let's look at it by week you know taking a week you know looking at this as weekly events and then layering in each of these data events as they happen and if you even then break it down by city if you do it that way you can layer in another dimension which is geography getting that data cube together is the first step and i i wrote about this in a cover story for harvard Business Review a few years ago uh, which you can google great article
0: uh, great article oh thank
1: you yeah and it and it it, it it spells out that process in probably more detail than I can go on now but but getting that data together and then using different forms of of analytics whether it's econometrics or or even just traditional simple regression models to isolate the different variables what you're trying to do is, is i look at it kind of like a um the genome project uh you know the human genome project where you know we just we didn't know what was nature or nurture for many many years until um uh, the scientific community was able to isolate the genes uh, you know in, in in our genome and then start to look at not just the individual genes but how they interact with each other so does something on this gene and this gene lead to a pre a predisposition to liver cancer or whatever the ailment might be and you know male pattern baldness or red hair or what what have you and it, having those interactions is absolutely critical to then understanding how things work. These, this, doing this sort of analytics for marketing does the exact same thing. You're looking at isolating the variables first, and then you're looking at how these things interact together. So maybe a TV ad actually stimulates someone to go, Google, go do, um, get onto Google and do a search, which then may stimulate someone to go watch a YouTube video it on the snap and and play with the filters which then leads to someone walking into a store and buying um, buying a coca-cola product let's understand what that daisy chain of events actually is what that customer journey is it's, it's the term and then let's understand what the actual weighting is of those different investments and how that contributed to your, your word earlier attribution how do you contribute or attribute the uh, those investments uh to an actual business outcome in that case a, can, a case of Coke or a car or uh, going to see a movie or something like that. And it's now possible thanks to cloud computing. We've never had more computing power. We've never had more data. We've never had more cheap computing power. Um, and we've never had these analytic methods that we could do. So it's literally this perfect storm um, that, that we're living in right now that is allowing us to, to look at all this information for, for the very first time.
0: So uh, given that it's now possible... Do you think companies today get it and they understand it, and they and attribution is now becoming an issue of the past?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I I, I think that attribution is is one of these overused and often misused words. And you might have like the smallest advertising platform. Uh, I won't name any names, but <laughs> that's some tiny platform that that that. You run an ad and then and then they try to come up with a quote ROI uh, to understand what the ROI is of that particular uh, medium doesn't t- start to tell the full story. it only tells a partial story it's like again back to the genome it's It's like looking at one gene and then trying to predict um, you know how how whether you're going what your age you know, how long you're going to live and it's just it's it's ridiculous so I think that the answer is kind of that that i am seeing more and more marketers particularly at senior levels there there are there's a new crop of cmo's that are data driven have run pnl's before uh that are are that that really understand data and analytics in a, in a in a significant way there's also uh, still a, a, another group of cmo's that just focus on you know dealing with creative and dealing with their agencies and and letting other people make those decisions, and those are rapidly becoming extinct uh, that it's it's just you can't compete and we've been at this long enough now uh, you know market share has been been deployed in fifty five countries for the past twelve years now wow. uh, it is it's completely changing the way these companies make decisions and how they how they allocate and budget and it's and, and, and I think the competitors have realized that boy we either you know got to join them or we got to or we're going to have a big problem and and we we've definitely have seen that kind of momentum changing so uh so yeah i think that 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 definitely boards and ceos and, and 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 cmos and cfos to that degree are really pushing for the adoption of data driven decision making i think that the word attribution is still one that's that's misunderstood and misused because you know I'd look at it there's there's capital attribution capital a attribution you know that they're looking at the big picture and then there's the small a attribution which could be sure. you know, did someone click on my ad or someone click on my search term um but don't confuse them and complete those things so I think that it's definitely uh definitely improving and that's and and that's, that that's really what ultimately led to to ask your 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 very first question that to the the exit and the acquisition um uh, of market share uh, where, I, where I was afterwards for a year. And then I've since left and am now uh, working in venture capital at Upfront, uh, one of the country's uh, largest VC firms, and, and, and working with technology CEOs to help do this sort of thing at scale. Like how do we get more and more companies uh, embracing at the enterprise level the use of technology to help make better decisions well, and help drive more efficiency.
0: While you say we're, uh, companies are now embracing it, I think you still have a lot of work to uh, to do, and oh, so no your, your ventures will be uh, will be prosperous going into the future. Let me remind our audience you're listening to Measured Thoughts on Sirius XM Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. We're currently speaking with Wes Nichols, and you can give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And, Wes, I want to ask you a question that uh, sort of you related back to uh, your safari. Um, you talked about the animals being uh, the prey and compared that to traditional advertising being the prey. What's going on with advertising today, and how is that how is that evolving? You gave a little bit of reference to it to one advertising platform, but um, mm-hmm. is, is advertising – going through this huge transformation, and, and what is it that we can expect to come out on the other end?
1: It, 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 yeah, I, I, I can't, like I said earlier, I can't think of an industry that's been as disrupted by technology as, as advertising and marketing. And, I mean, everything from people cutting their cords on their cable and, and not watching network television anymore and watching over-the-top apps i mean that's a huge shift that's a direct result of all these changes and and the ability to watch netflix and instead of going into the movie theater uh you know that's that's also falls into this 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 realm of technology enabled uh consumption of entertainment what's interesting is is if you think about netflix or amazon their motive isn't to drive viewership per se even hbo by the way is the same they're they're they're, they're uh, you know, and, and serious XM is in that camp, too. It's it's more about retention of subscribers. It's it's more about the recurring revenue that happens as a result of of, of a subscription. So for Netflix, if they can watch, get you to watch X percentage of one more show a month, that means you're going to stick around for another month or month, another month or two. That's, that's their motive. They don't care about ratings or eyeballs or things like that. So that's why you're starting to see more and more narrowcasting of content. You're starting to see more you know, more niche oriented uh, TV, radio movies that are coming up, that are more data driven, that are that are being created as a result of using data and analytics. I'm I'm starting to also see the use of, of artificial intelligence uh, and AI, which is something that Market Share was was doing quite a bit of early on. And that's really looking at large data sets and Finding patterns and then training those models, and then having the models start to learn it themselves and start to make decisions from that. So I'm starting to see even content starting to be tinkered with in terms of which ones do we start to greenlight, which shows, and you know which what kind of scripts should we write. And I mean, there's some there's some apps out there that are that are testing out even writing writing shows. Um, even there was recently writing a uh, symphony uh, by AI. By, by training it with, uh, you know, thousands of uh, pieces of music. So it's an anathema for anyone who's creative, which I am as well, by the way. But I, 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 uh, I appreciate the use of technology as a way to enable the, the creative spirit as opposed to replace it. But we are seeing a lot of changes happening in, in advertising and marketing.
0: So you were, you were, re- you were referring to the use of uh, basically the analytics for the customization of, of programs, Um, Mm -hmm. Is that happening with advertising as well? We're going to see um, ads become more and more uh, focused, of course. Yeah. That's who we serve them uh, to, but also the content of those ads. So, um, So Sunil, being younger than I am, he gets a different ad than I get. Sure. And not just that he gets the ad, but the content of the ad is different for Sunil than it is for me. Sure.
1: The content, not only the content of the ad, but also the price that you're offered, and maybe the combination of media that that you are exposed to, should and and is different than than the person next door, and and you know that's happening already. By the way, if you're if you go shopping on Amazon, and you're shopping from a particular zip code on a Macintosh computer, you're going to get slightly higher price if you're using that type of a computer in a certain zip code than you are if you log in from another zip code, so or on a different type of computer. So it's it's the idea of using little bits of information to understand, you know, what is someone's price propensity? Are they willing to spend a little bit more? Are they less price sensitive? Or, you know, what's that elasticity? That's happening already. It's happening in ticketing. It's uh, I I launched a business with Ticketmaster. Uh, to create this for live nation and to help with the uh, live entertainment and to optimize the pricing, which is really good for the artists um, and the venues because you know that way they're making more of the upside than the secondary market so the the use of and i and I talk about marketing and the i and I'm talking not just about you know the tactics of advertising but the really the four p's i mean you, you think about you know what product and are you are you promoting where are you promoting it you know what's the price? Uh, how do you dynamically change all that information driven by, driven by technology? Uh, it's, it's happening now.
0: Yeah, I've got to tell you, you're so 2018 and, and, and maybe so 2028. <laughs> I mean, you are so current. It's really amazing because I think this is exactly what it is that's happening and how businesses are evolving and, uh, and what it is that they do need to do. I think the last question I'm going to have time to ask you about is sort of what, what are you going to be working on next? Well, I've been really
1: excited about working with entrepreneurs at scale and that and that means putting together a portfolio of you know call it ten um ten ventures that where I could add some value and so I'm on a few public boards now uh which has been great and learning a lot about governance and 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 helping grow these companies but also a number of private uh companies and in discussion with a few more right now and it is it's you know the idea of like what's next, you know how do we how do we start to layer this technology into healthcare, which is something I'm really interested in as well. Like how do you start to look at look at using what what we've built for marketing and start to apply that towards personalized medicine? If we can start to literally take this exact type of analytic method and apply it to uh, helping to diagnose uh, cancer or making sure that you get the right treatment, the right medical treatment. Uh, you know that's a game changer, and and uh, you know so I'm looking at the extensibility of AI and analytics into not just optimizing marketing, but also into other places uh, where where other industries that could really use this.
0: Well, wow, it's it's absolutely fascinating because earlier you talked about sort of looking at genomes and how able to sort of anticipate what diseases people were going to get, and basically learning from healthcare how to apply some of that to marketing and yeah. now you're going the other direction. I think that's uh, it's fantastic. Thank, Thanks, Wes, for joining us. I knew when I asked you to be on the program that you were going to be great, and you didn't disappoint. So, oh, that's sweet of you. Yeah. Thank you. No, any, thank any you very much. I I'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Are you going to be at the MASB board meeting? I will not. No. Okay, well, I'll miss you there. So anyhow, great to talk to you. We're going to need to take a short break, but please do stay with us. When we get back, we're going to take your calls. On anything related to marketing, branding, metrics, in, in the last uh, segment of the program, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, or send us an email at businessradio at SiriusXM uh, dot com. This is Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on SiriusXM.